Hello everybody and happy Thanksgiving. On this episode of Tales from the Fog, we're going to start out with some strange news and then we're going to go into some ghost hunting adventures. Let's start the show. and welcome to Tales from the Fog. I'm your host, Casey, and with us once again is the lovely and amazing Veronica. Hey, guys. How are you doing, Veronica? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, it's a lovely night. It's raining tonight. I love it when it rains. It is pretty nice. We've got delicious beer. Mm-hmm. We're ready to go on the podcast. At least we think we are. We always yeah. think we are, and you never really know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. No. Um, let's start off with some news. Mm-hmm. Um... Halloween isn't over yet. Halloween isn't over yet? No. Are you surprised? I'm always surprised. There's three attractions that are still going to be operating. Uh, Delusion just announced an extension to their adventure. So if you haven't been out to Delusion this year, they added three more days into into December. Wow. So you can go, I think it's December 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, I think they added. Uh, But you can go on their website... By the time this podcast comes out, it have been about five days since the tickets went on sale, so chances are they may be sold out, but you never know. You yeah. can go over there and check them out. Um, That's a date night. It is. Uh, and then we have two Christmas haunts coming. we got Sinister Point. They yes. announced their Christmas haunt. They're going to be open, I believe, three weekends in December. Excellent. And then Lunatics Asylum up in... Uh, Apple Valley What's announced that? that they are going to be doing a Christmas haunt as well. So now we've got two Christmas haunts in Southern California and Delusion still running and going strong. So Halloween continues to push on into the holidays. This is going to be a year-long thing where there will always be some sort of haunted attraction open. I mean, doesn't that already exist in Japan? Don't they have something that, co- that is Well, there's, there's um, the San Francisco Dungeons, which is 365 days a year. There you go. Uh, there was a couple in Florida that were year round. I think they closed one was Skull Kingdom and there was another one. And I think they both recently closed down. Um, but there's a year round, one or two year round haunts in, uh, New York that you can go to. So, and then there's the, uh, the Walking Dead thing at Universal. And the Walking Dead just opened in Universal, which is also year round. So, so is that, I mean, it... The scary farm and that kind of thing, like, their scares, from what I've heard, because I haven't seen it yet, but their scares are a little different. Aren't they? Like, the the Walking Dead is more like, you get to look at everything and it looks really cool, but, you know, in a maze, it's a little bit more in your face. Uh, From what I heard, yeah, during the year, during the normal operating season, um, the scenes are very much like, they just take them out of the show. Mm Mm-hmm. So you'll just go through different scenes and you'll see some of the walkers, but they're not really there to pop out, scare you. They're more like ambiance to fill in the scene. So you're just kind of like a fly flying through their world. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so then, does that during, count then during Halloween Horror Nights, they add more scare actors, which are more pop out, okay, startle scare type stuff. All right. I think it still counts. I mean, Haunted Mansions, Haunted Attraction, Is it's it? year round. Is it really? Sure. Okay. I don't think so, but that's okay. 
Well, what's your definition of a haunted attraction then? Uh, good point. Well, when I think of haunted attraction, I think of something that is... But see, I'm having a hard time separating the two because with Haunted Mansion, I think of it more as a ride instead of a haunted attraction mm-hmm. because it's 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 Disney glazed. It, I don't know, except for that awesome thing that we saw last time. Like, that seems haunted attraction. But, yeah. But uh, Haunted Mansion seems more like... You know, Disney fun go time. Like, it's not designed to startle scare you. It's not designed to tell some sort of bizarre story. It's kind of just this disjointed peek into. I don't think into. that's true. There's startle scares. They have the... The little ghosts that the pop ghosts out that behind pop the out behind the gravestones. Have There's, like, one in the you? attic. Yeah. Maybe when I was a kid. Yeah, maybe. So how? So maybe, like, grown-up oriented. If, mm-hmm. haunted, how, if a Haunted Mansion might be scary, the way we think of scary, yeah. to... Younger kids? Than, like, the extraterrestrial alien encounter in Walt Disney World for adults. Yeah. Which is that way would be, more terrifying. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I still have I have a preconception that haunted attraction involves, you know, building four by eight walls and painting them black and, like, just that, that mm-hmm. stuff that is modular and temporary, maybe. I don't know. I probably just need to expand my boundaries. But, yeah, you've got a good point. Is Haunted Mansion... And things like that are those haunted attractions that are open year-round. So maybe. I say yes. Okay. I, dark I rides, walkthroughs. I don't know. To me, they're all haunted attractions. I've never thought of Haunted Mansion as a haunted attraction. I thought it was cool, but I just never lumped them together. But maybe I need to expand my horizons. Perhaps. Maybe. And, what else is there uh, that's year-round? Year round, um, there's a couple theme parks that have haunted style attractions. I think Dollywood has one, which is actually a roller coaster, but it's themed to like a cursed mine, and it has some. The beginning part is kind of like a dark ride. Oh, cool. Um, so there's a few around. Maybe I think of haunted attraction as like aggressive scare tactics. Would a roller coaster be considered aggressive scare? It would be to me. <laughs> but any roller coaster would be that way to me. Yeah. See what else is going on. Um, we had our first meeting for Huntington Haunt. Went well. We got some good information from the city. So that's chugging along. That's a really interesting process. I think it's cool that we have the opportunity to kind of document it in the way that, you know, with, with the podcast and everything, we have a way sort of to keep track like this happens. Then this happened, then this happened before. Yeah. Like, we came into the game late last year with, with the Huntington Haunt thing. So we didn't get to see all of the dealing with the city, dealing with our, you know, the sponsor, essentially, and all of the bureaucracy that went into creating the thing. But this year, we are, at least I am able to see so much closer into more like from the starting line mm-hmm. all the way through into the designs and the throwing out of designs. Yeah. And, you know, huck that, it's not going to work. The city told us, no, now we need to do this. Yeah, it's so basically beautiful. just start with, like, these are all the ideas. And then the city's like, well, you can't do this, and this area has to stay clear, so you can't build anything here, and you can't do anything over here. So you have half the space you thought you might have. Mm-hmm. So then it's condensing everything that you had for your big plan down into a much smaller pad than you thought you were going to have. Yeah. Um, but it's. I think it's going to work out. I think we have a good overall design right now it's beautiful you know, it's going to be coming down to like the the small bits of figuring out room layouts and 
that kind of stuff. But I think the general plan is pretty good. I think that you may have been, you know, given kind of an advantage because when you have that much space, that's all that space that you do need to fill and filling space is expensive and takes yeah. the time. But when you have, you know, they told you like, well, you know, a third of the floor plan that you thought you had, you don't have anymore. You're forced to sort of play a game of creative Tetris yeah. <laughs> where you want to keep those elements that you, you were married to at the beginning, but you need to find a different way to incorporate them. Yep. I think that might happen a lot, you know, when it comes to actually knuckling yeah. down and creating a oh. haunted event like that. Yeah, a lot of attractions, they don't even know what their floor plan is until they rent the building. So they basically come up with the idea. Maybe they'll build some of the stuff, but overall, it's like until you actually get into the building, which can sometimes be three or four weeks before you open, you don't know exactly how it's all going to come together. That's got to be something. Coming yeah. up with an entire story, floor plan, build out, props, yep. everything. Get it permitted. <laughs> <laughs> Permits. Yeah. That can take some time. Yep. And money. That's an expensive endeavor. That we're, we're really lucky to be able to, to start it so early and know a lot already. Having yeah. done it already, you know, there's some stuff that we can take from last year and bring it into this year. As far as, you know, design-wise, layout-wise, what works, what doesn't work, you know, different types of interactions, non-linear concepts. There's a lot of stuff that we can do this year having this much time. Yeah. I mean, it's the middle of November, and we're already worrying about next year, October. Yep. That's a lot of fun. It is. It's going to be special. How about some weird news? Ooh. I got some weird news. So we got a video, another wonderful video from Veronica <laughs> to watch, and she's going to give us a comment on it and what she thinks of it. So what do you think about the Yeti? What do I think about the Yeti? Yeah. Do you think he's real? Do you think there's a possibility he exists? Do you think it's fake? What do you think? I think that Yeti is a concept. It could be, I think that something that was referred to by somebody as the Yeti does exist. I think that there's a creature out there or multiple creatures that we haven't yet identified and that we haven't gotten a good enough look at to really examine it and find out what it is, you know, what its descendants are. Is it linked anything to, is it an ape? Is it a bear? You know, there's, there's something out there that has yet to be discovered. Just, I mean, there's tons of things out there that have yet to be discovered, but I think that it, I think that something that could be attributed to being a Yeti will be found someday. Because yeah. our technology is getting stronger. The things that they're using to, to track and to do the DNA testing, you know, capturing footprints, everything like that. I think that, you know, it's, you know, a Yeti of some kind will be found someday. Whether it's the same one that they reported seeing hundreds of years ago, you know, who knows. But I think that something is out there. Well, we have a video for you to watch. Okay. To set up the video, this video was shot in Siberia. Okay. It's on the dash cam of a vehicle that's driving through the middle of nowhere. So they're they're in Siberia. There's nothing around them. All right. So Why would they do that? They're driving somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> this is a, it's a from what I understand, it's like a research truck. So maybe they're going out to like a research facility that's way out there. Um, so we have the video. Okay. So let's go ahead and watch it. And this will be up on the blog post for the for the show, so you can go over and watch it as well. So let's watch the video here and let me know what you think about it. (laughs) Interesting. So what do you think about that? Interesting video? 
It is an interesting video. It's so hard to tell because they're so far away. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a ride, but it does look like it's walking upright. It looks kind of hunched over, though. Yeah. Like, maybe it's really hard to tell. I mean, what kind of animals are out there? Uh, well, bear, deer, wolves, um, rabbits. <laughs> it's a gigantic-ass rabbit. Yeah, killer Actually, rabbits. Actually, to me, it looked like a bear. Because it, the way that it was kind of hunched over, mm-hmm. it, and the way that its arms were kind of like, like someone who doesn't really know how to run, and they yeah. keep their wrists really close to their shoulders when they run. That's kind of how a bear is, like their paws are kind of close to their And it was bodies. kind of deep snow, so if it was a bear, he could have been kind of like swimming. Just kind of like lumbering <laughs> yeah, through. Yeah, like trying to get through it. Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess the kind of animal that it was, I would say it was a bear. So no Yeti for you? I don't think that was a Yeti. All right, people, keep looking. We haven't found the Yeti yet. No, he's out there. She's out there. I All believe right. that there's something out there. I mean, but... It could be that there's, I mean, it could be a bear. It could be, you know, who knows what that was. But it was pretty cool. If I saw that going across my car, I would have sworn up and down that it was a Yeti. Yeah. I would have gotten caught up in Yetiism for sure. What about, so we watched all four episodes of the Searching for the Yeti Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates. What do you think about that? That was, I wish they could have kept going. It's too bad that they have to stop after only four episodes because they kept seeing, like they were getting genuine evidence and they had, they were coming across things that were, that were inconclusive, which means yeah. that it was coming from something that hadn't yet been cate- uh, categorized. Yeah, but they didn't get DNA yet from it. Not so this that, time. But there so was. that's a good sign that, you know, if they were able to get more samples and the DNA matched, but still wasn't categorized anywhere. Mm-hmm. There could be something interesting out there. Yeah, because there was that uh, the sample that they found in a previous. It wasn't this uh, show in Destination Truth. Yeah, where they actually got the the hair sample and they took it to Texas and they ran it through the database and it, there was nothing there that matched yeah, it. Even though they did know it was, it's like it was a hominid. Yeah, but they didn't have a match for it. Yeah, so it was something that either. I mean, could you have a something that was mutated beyond? being able to match it in the database if it was like a mutated well that would just mean it's an evolutionary offspring so it's you know just like at some point we were close enough to monkeys that we were able to interbreed but then eventually those two branches spread off and our chromosomes don't line up anymore we can't interbreed Mm -hmm. so there could be that somewhere Millions of years after that happened, we were still close enough to something else. We were able to interbreed with that, and then it split off. And now it's closer to humans than, say, an orangutan or an ape, but still, you know, something else. But still technically not a match. Yeah. So that, and that would substantiate the human-like descriptions that people... When they say, you know, they saw something that it was upright, it was, you know, Mm -hmm. broad shoulders, long spines, long femurs, like very human-like. Yeah, just like longer arms. Mm -hmm. So it's a little more ape-ish, but But upright. Yeah, Yeah. like like their skeletons support an upright being as opposed to something that's using its arms and its legs for balance. Mm -hmm. So it could be something like that. It'd be really cool if it was. I would love if something that's so big... And a mammal, you know, I mean, there's plenty of insects like that we haven't 
you know, cataloged yet. Yeah. But a mammal would be so cool. Well, my, well, they have found monkeys recently in the Amazon that have never been recorded before. So there are mammals out there that we don't know about. Something that big, you know, it's, it's hard to say because there's, there are places like Bhutan and areas of Nepal that are nearly 100% unexplored. Yeah. That's a perfect place for something like that. <laughs> and there goes Willow, guys. There she is. Had to make her appearance known. Studio dog. Where'd she go? She took off to the bedroom, I think. Oh. She's like, you guys are boring. <laughs> Talking about the Yeti. All right. So that was the Yeti. Go Yeti. Yeah. So part two. What do you think about time travel? Does it exist? Do you think it's possible? Scientifically? Theoretically? Magically? Magically? <laughs> Magically, absolutely. I believe in time travel. As far as time is, it's hard to grasp. I mean, we live in a three-dimensional world where time is something that we kind of, time as we perceive it is made up. You know, we use it to kind of help us through our day, We but we base time on, you know, how many times our globe spins around in space. Yep. So we're using it as a form of measurement, but we're not, you know, I don't think we understand time, you know, really for what it is. In fact, it, I don't even know, I mean, I don't know about enough of it theoretically to even say, I know that perception of time can be altered, The you know, the faster you go towards the speed of light, the more time your perception of time, you know, slows, or your perception of time is actually, you're going the world around you is going faster than you are. So you're essentially yes. traveling to the future or, you, you know, to you, you're traveling to the future to everyone else who's going, who's not traveling closer to the speed of light. You know, it's just normal time passage and you come back three years later thinking you were gone five minutes. So it's an anomaly that I think is really cool. So yeah, I guess technically time travel does exist. You know, even, even if you take an airplane, you're like a you, microsecond. Yeah. You are. In the future, which they've done, land. they've taken they've like atomic clocks the... going around you know the world in a jet or something, and noticed that there's a couple yeah. of, like mi microns and the... off. And they just recently did a study with the twins. One of the twins went up to the space station and stayed there for almost a year, I think, two hundred and something days, mm -hmm. and came back down. And he was now older by I don't remember how much time, but it was a small amount of time. He's now the older brother instead of the younger brother. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an incredible anomaly. I mean, I, I wish that I had more exposure to, you know, theories about it and, and study of it. I think it's really cool. But as far as traveling backwards, I think that that is that is more like a perception of time. Yeah. Like things that ex that happened already. I don't think that one could travel back in time in that way. You know. But as we've described already, one could travel in the future, kind of. Mm -hmm. You know. What if I told you that Edgar Allan Poe was a time traveler? I'd say you're full of shit. You'd say that. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> tell me why you tell me that, though. Well, this is an article that has been going around. This is actually from an article on historybuff.com. Okay. And it is an argument that could prove that Edgar Allan Poe was, in fact, a time traveler. How so? Well, let me give you some examples. Okay. All right. So what they call uh, the first exhibit we'll look at is, this is based on his writings. So okay. his novels, short stories, that sort of thing. 
the first thing that I'm going to point out is a short story called The Businessman. Mm-hmm. Now, in the story, well, let's start with this. We'll just read the article because it's pretty interesting. Go for it. Uh, in 1848, a, rail ro- a railroad worker named Phineas Gage suffered a traumatic brain injury after taking an iron spike through the skull. <laughs> Somehow he survived, though his personality would change drastically. These behavioral changes were closely studied, allowing the medical community to develop the first understanding that the role of the frontal lobe played on social cognition. Okay. Except... That Poe, who inexplicably understood the profound personality changes caused by the frontal lobe syndrome for nearly a decade before, in 1840 he penned a characteristically gruesome story called The Businessman about an unnamed narrator who suffers a traumatic head injury as a young boy leading to a life of obsessive regularity and violent sociopathic outbursts. Uh, Poe's grasp of the frontal lobe syndrome is so precise that neurologist Eric Ashler writes, there's a dozen symptoms and he knows every single one. There's everything in that story. We've hardly learned anything more. Ashler, who, to reiterate, is a medically licensed neurologist and not at all a crackpot, goes on to say, <laughs> it's so exact that it's just weird. It's like he has a time machine. Interesting. I'm not sold, but... What else you got? All right. Exhibit B. The narrative of Arthur Gordon, Pym of Nantucket. So this is his only novel. It's Poe's only full-length novel that he ever wrote. Hmm. Uh, written in 1837, Poe's only completed novel details the mutiny on a whaling ship lost at sea. Out of supplies, the men revert to cannibalism, drawing straws to elect the sacrifice. A boy named Richard Parker draws the shortest straw and is subsequently eaten. Now here's where it gets weirder. So that was 1837. Okay. 1884. 46 years later, after the novel's publication, four men would be set adrift following the sinking of their yacht. Shipwrecked and without food, they too would go to to the survival cannibalism route, electing to eat a 17-year-old cabin boy, the boy's name, Richard Parker. The extraordinary parallel went unnoticed for nearly a century until a widely circulated letter from a descendant of the real Parker outlined the similarities between the novel scene and the actual event. The letter was selected for publication in the Sunday Times after the journalist Arthur Koshler put out a call for tales of striking coincidence. Super fun. Still not sold. Still not sold, huh? <laughs> no. If it had name had been something like absurdly weird, I would have been more like that is pretty bizarre. It is but a kind of common issue. It's a common name and shit happens. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably a lot of boats that were set adrift and they had no choice but to eat somebody. And if you have seven people on the boat, there's a one in seven chance that the person who draws the shortest straw is gonna be the youngest person. True story. Yeah. All right. How about Exhibit C? All right. So far, I'm no fun. No. I'm sorry. Have some more beer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Lighten up, goddammit. All right. Exhibit C, Eureka. What if I told you that Poe predicted the origins of the universe 80 years before modern science would begin to formulate the Big Bang Theory? Surely an amateur stargazer with no formal training in cosmology could not accurately describe the machinery of the universe. 
rejecting widely held inconsistencies while solving a theoretical paradox that had bewildered astron astronomers like Kepler, except that's exactly what happened. The prophetic vision came in the form of Eureka, a 150-page prose poem critically panned for its complexity and regarded by many as the work of a madman. Written in the final year of the author's life, Eureka describes an expanding universe that began in one instantaneous flash derived from a single primordial particle. Cool. Poe goes on to put forth the first legitimate solution to Olber's paradox, the question of why, given the vast number of stars in the universe in the night sky, why is it dark? By explaining that the light from the expanding universe had not yet reached our solar system. When Edward Robert Harrison published Darkness at Night in 1987, he credited Eureka as having anticipated his findings. In an interview with Nautilus, Italian astronomer Alberto Capi speaks of Poe's prescience, admitting it's surprising that Poe arrived at his dynamically evolving universe because there was no observational or theoretical evidence suggesting such a possibility. No astronomer in Poe's day could imagine a non-static universe. What if Poe wasn't of the day at all, but part of all days? Or what if Poe was a lot smarter than people gave him credit for and saw something that no one else saw? That could be. I mean, so what was the first one again? Uh, frontal lobe brain injuries. Okay, so that could be based on observation and hypothesis. Mm -hmm. So so he could play to, he had an idea, and he came up with, yeah, hypothesis. Yeah. The second one is coincidence, the third one is a hypothesis. Hypothesis of a genius, or, I mean, that, his prediction could have been anything, it just turned out to be true. Yeah. So, I just, I have a hard time with the, the time traveling theory, because... Why did he pick just those things? Or did we only f discover those three things? You know... Who knows? Who knows? But he could just be a very, very... Blah, blah, blah. A very good... Prolific? <laughs> prolific <laughs> science fiction writer, like Jules Verne. He yeah. predicted a bunch of stuff in quotations. Yeah. You know, with submarines and flying ships and all that stuff, which was way before Jules Verne's time. But... I think just people that can look at the future and be like, this is where we are at now, and then kind of think it through, like, where will we end up in 50, 60 years? Yeah, because Poe seems like the kind of guy that was very ob observant about stuff that's already happened and being able to kind of predict the next three steps. Yeah. Could have been something like that. But if you think about it, like, we've had plenty of quote-unquote predictions happen like with trump winning the presidency the simpsons predicted that yeah the simpsons predicted a bunch of stuff you know and it's just people who like with matt Groening, he thinks so far out of the box that he's gonna come up with stuff that would be impossible and satirical and there's no way in hell that's gonna happen and then it happens mm -hmm. because you know from the sublime to the ridiculous so I mean, there's a chance that he'll continue to, you know, predict the future because he just has the the way that he thinks is so different than, you know, just you or me or, you know, the typical person. He's that, just beyond creative. Yeah. That kind of changes all those treehouse of terrors, right? 
<laughs> what <laughs> if then, they're all true? What if, what if he's telling a narrative of another time? What if he's actually a time traveler? So speaking of, um, of otherworldly and bizarre things that could happen and be observed, um, have you ever gone ghost hunting? I have. We have, actually. You and I together? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. What was the, the first thing that you ever did? The first thing I ever did was something called the Suicide Bridge in San Diego. That sounds charming. It's absolutely, I guess, charming. <laughs> Is it really? Is it cute? No, it's a gigantic bridge that goes across um, the bay. And it's like, the top of it is like, I don't know, 200 feet off the water. Lots it's of people like jump? gigantic. Yeah, people jump off of it. Yikes. Um, and supposedly you see ghosts and stuff. Um, and then we did a... Oh, um, before you go on, tell me more about that. So what did you what did you do? Did you have any equipment with you? What time of day did you go? No, that one, it, it's not kind of like the place where you do equipment stuff because if you get out of your car, they're going to assume you're trying to commit suicide and <laughs> cops will be all over. They have like oh. cameras and stuff like up there. Has anyone ever seen footage of ghosts or anything? I believe there is footage of um, ghosts because what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to drive I can't remember. There's a certain time of year. It's like the pink lady, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a specific day of the year. And you go, you know, in the middle of the night. So like 11 midnight that time. And you drive the bridge and you're supposed to see a lady looking over the edge and crying. Mm -hmm. But when you pull over, if you pull over to try to help her and you start walking towards her, she'll like either jump or disappear. I've heard both. Whoa. Um, but then like, I guess people have reported somebody jumping and they never find anything or and they don't see anything in the cameras other than the other people you know like if you were running up they'd see you running up in the cameras but they wouldn't see the person you're running towards whoa so it'd be um, like a hallucination yeah so basically what you do is we would just like on that day i think we did it twice to see if we would see anything and just drive the bridge a few times at night and that's pretty much it we didn't see anything but who knows how old were you when you went uh i was probably like 17 cool um, and then we did Coronado Beach. What's that? Like right near Hotel Del Coronado, the area in front of it. There's supposed to be a few haunted rooms inside the hotel, but one of the, um, the ghosts committed suicide by jumping off the building and landing like on near the beach, I guess. You can find her wandering the beach at night. Oh. So did you go out there just waiting and watching and trying to see some sort of phenomenon? Yeah, pretty much. Just walking around. You know, when you're younger, you don't have money for all the equipment. So you're sure. just kind of like, let's just go see what happens. Cool. Did you get any sort um, of weird, like the telltale vibes or cold spots? Uh, well, anything? it's San Diego at night, so it's always cold. It's freezing. Uh, <laughs> freezing and damp. <laughs> um, but no, we didn't. Nothing. I mean, it's hard in an outdoor environment. There's a few that are have a very creepy vibe, but a beach in San Diego isn't really one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, trying to think of what else, um, down in the San Diego area, we did the Whaley house and cool. that was actually a pretty good, it was, I didn't have the equipment, but I paid to go with a group of ghost hunters. Really? And they had a all night event basically. And I think like 10 people showed up and they would actually send you in by yourself with a recorder and it was you and then like a, a person with from the ghost hunting team and the ghost hunting team guys would have a video camera 
and you would go in with a voice recorder and you would do like, you could go anywhere you wanted in the house. Some of the rooms are even open that are normally closed off. Like you can't go in them, but like the little girl's room, we could actually go inside the kitchen. We could actually got to go inside. Um, you could wander around the court room, um, all that kind of stuff. And you just got a pretty much full reign. I think there were still a couple areas they didn't want you to go in. Um, but the Whaley house is creepy. So what's the premise of the Whaley house? Like what, what, uh, circumstances was it that caused it to be, to be haunted? Um, well, that's the original courthouse for San Diego way back in the day. And Judge, um, who was Mr. Whaley, they lived basically in the house that was attached to the courthouse. And so several people were hung on the property because that was also, you know, where they'd hang people. It was mm-hmm. like in the old town, like basically they were in the center of the old town area. And on top of that, their daughter died on the property. She was running around the garden area with a friend and she slipped and fell and hit her head on a, on a brick planter and she ended up dying. Yikes. And then their other daughter who was older, can't remember exactly what happened, but she committed suicides. She either got married and then her husband left her like within days of being married or she was pregnant and her husband left her within days of having the baby. I can't remember which is which. Both of them sound so fun. But it was something along those lines and then she ended up committing suicide. Wow. And one of the, one of the people that were hung on the property is this like notorious murderer, bad dude. And his name was Yankee, Yankee something, Yankee, Yankee Jim. I think. <laughs> no, it wasn't called Yankee Jim. I think it was. <laughs> that's so unfortunate. Um, well, that's not his real name. It was his nickname. I'll bet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please go on. Um, but apparently they were doing a, a play in the courthouse and... <laughs> it had something to do with him. It was the play and the community theater playhouse, or the well, courthouse. Well, no, this was a long time after okay. it closed. Okay, I get you. But the kids were doing the play in the courthouse, and every time they'd get to a section that mentioned Yankee Jim or whoever, I think it was Yankee Jim, uh, you'd start hearing, like, strong, heavy footsteps above the courthouse. Oh, my God. I'm like, he was trying to interrupt the play because he didn't like them talking about him like my name's not yankee jim <laughs> god damn it uh let's see um i have i don't i have two coming up that i don't condone anybody doing um so the next two i will say that i did them however i wouldn't suggest anybody does what i did okay because it could potentially be illegal Potentially. Potentially. But we'll say it's not for the sake of the podcast. Okay. But it, but don't do it. It's very, very frowned upon, we'll say. <laughs> Did you trespass? Maybe. Okay. All right. So the first one, uh, we'll start with the Queen Mary. Oh, so that's kind of high profile. It is. Um, I got, I had a friend that was having a wedding on the Queen Mary. Part of the package is I got a room. Mm-hmm. And I thought, great. This is awesome. I get to stay in the Queen Mary. First of all, it was probably like, let's see, it was probably like one o'clock in the morning when I got back from the wedding. Okay. And I was just like, you know what? When am I ever going to get a chance to wander around the ship at one o'clock in the morning by myself? 
True story. So I took my phone, and that's it. And I went out onto the ship. Were you by yourself? Completely, yeah, I was by myself. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. Because everybody else was hammered at the wedding, and I didn't <laughs> drink that much. So I was still up, and I was just like, I had tons of caffeine in me. So I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to go ghost hunting by myself on the Queen Mary. Holy shit. And sounds like a great idea. <laughs> trust me, <laughs> it gets better. So I wandered all the decks that you can normally get to. Um, outside, inside, I went into like the the bridge area. I All the places that are just open to the public. Sure. So that was what I did first. So now it's probably like 2.30-ish in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get into the engine room. However, the engine room is closed up at mm-hmm. night. Like, you can't get into it. But I was wandering the ship before the wedding, and I noticed they were building for Shipwrecked, mm-hmm. which is their Halloween event. This was back when it was Shipwrecked before Dark Harbor. And I knew that part of the ship where doors would normally be locked were not locked because I checked them <laughs> before the wedding. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I bet you I could find my way to the engine room through these back corridors, right? And so I, all I have is my phone. It's pitch black. And I'm like, I'm going to find my way into the bowels of this ship. So I'm wandering through areas of this boat that I don't know if anybody's seen in 60 years. <laughs> like, I mean, it looks like. How did you get back into the the places? Just trying doors and waiting well, for it open? The, the maze that I, that I knew they couldn't lock up because of the way it was designed was starting all the way in the back of the boat near the infirmary. And there was a set of staircases that went down. And because of like the way that the set was set up, all they had was like basically a chain going across. And so I just removed the chain and <laughs> like you do <laughs> and went in. And so the first part, I kind of went in through the maze, which was still being built. So there wasn't a whole lot in it. Um, and then I was like, okay, I know the engine room is kind of in this direction. So I went through another hatch and into another section that was pitch black and scary as all hell because it looks like it hadn't been worked on in since the boat parked or something like wow. rusted walls and, and not great platforms to walk on. And <laughs> so that was just stuff that was open because they had been doing the construction. On yeah. That. So, I mean, it must, it was probably, you know, that little hatch would probably be for like actors to get around to the different sets or something. Okay. Um, But I did eventually get to the engine room. And I got down in there and I explored it. And all I had was my... It's pitch black. No lights whatsoever. So all I have is... I'm using my phone as a flashlight. Okay. And this is before they had like LED flashlight apps. So I'm using like the screen (laughs) to wander around. And I actually caught a, a pretty badass EVP in there. So, I mean, I'm completely by myself. It's probably 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, down in the engine room, and I'm walking, and I actually heard something uh, because I kind of stopped. I remember I stopped, and I was like, this, that was kind of a weird noise, but it didn't sound like anything. It was just kind of like a weird noise. Um, and then I got home, and I checked the EVP, and you can really distinctively hear somebody say, "Hey, do you work here?" Shut up. Yeah. So you were you were 
audio recording this whole time. Yeah, so the whole time I'm using my phone, I'm audio recording okay. too. And I'm like asking questions, kind of like doing an EVP session. And But it was a part where I wasn't asking anything. I was just wandering around. I was trying to figure out how to get to this section because I was like, when I came into the engine room, it wasn't the door that you normally do. So I was kind of like behind some machinery. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out how to get to the normal path where you can kind of loop around the engine room. Um, so I was kind of like just standing there and sort of trying to get my bearings of where I was. And, and that's when I caught it was when I was just standing still by myself. Wow. And there was nobody down there. I mean, I, cause it was pretty early on when I got in the engine room and I was walking around for like 15, 20 minutes down there, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a long time to be down there completely nobody, by yourself. I didn't run into anybody. Like that's like an isolation session down there. Well, the whole, the whole thing was like an isolation. Yeah. Nobody the entire time I was on the boat that late at night. Like there was nobody around. I'm surprised um, there wasn't some sort of security or something around there. No, I, I assume no because I didn't get caught. <laughs> so yeah, don't do it. Has it been longer than seven years? It has. Then don't worry about it. Yeah, that was. Way back in the early, early 2000s. Yeah. Because can't. it was still shipwrecked, so I don't know when it changed to Dark Harbor, but mm-hmm. that was a few years ago, and then it was a few years before that. Interesting. Um, that so that was, was very cool. the Queen Mary. I have another Queen Mary story, which happened during shipwrecked. Through a, we were going through one of the mazes, and this maze was, it ended up going through the old area where they kept wounded World War II soldiers back when the boat was the Grey Ghost. Mm-hmm. And you went from a floor, you had to go down like three, two or three flights of stairs. Like, it, you know, you looped around, looped around, looped around, and you got down to the bottom, and then you walked into this new section of the maze. And so we, I was with my mom and a friend. My friend was in front of me, like probably, I don't know, like 10 or 12 feet in front of me. And then I got down to the bottom of the stairs, and I'm walking into the dark. And something gets right up to me, like I could feel something next to my head, and I'm thinking it's a monster, right? Uh-huh. And and they were just like, James is going to get it. What? And then I was like, holy shit, and I turn around, and then, and then there wasn't a monster there, so I was like, oh, maybe it was my mom. So I turn around, and she's still coming down the stairs. So I'm completely by myself. And something just like whispered into my head, into my ear, like close enough to where I could feel the breath, my friend's name and saying that he's going to get it. And, and it was like, so then I'm like, holy shit. And then like, I, I turn and look at my friend and he just gets laid out. Like he gets scared so bad. He just like flat on the floor scared. And he's not the kind of person that gets scared like that. So it was just like, the trippiest thing and there was nobody around me like i was looking around everywhere i don't know where that came from oh my and I, god and i don't know how they would know you know his name his name and we were so separated it's not like if it was a monster we weren't really talking because we just we were so far apart from going down the stairs he couldn't have heard you that they wouldn't have heard it anyway so yeah that was a really trippy that trippy is great oh my gosh yeah, the uh, the Queen Mary is awesome for no that kidding. kind of stuff. We should get a room one night and do ghost hunting 
I've always wanted to stay on the Queen Mary, and I've had a couple of opportunities, but it just it never seemed to solidify into getting a room there. I forgot to tell you the other thing that happened when I stayed on the Queen Mary. (laughs) God, okay. So I had the room. I get back to the room. By the time I was done ghost hunting, it was probably like four in the morning, I think, because I was just like, I'm never going to have a chance to do this. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um. Ah. I take a shower, I hop in bed, I'm like about to fall asleep, and the shower turns on. What? So then I'm like, okay, that's weird. Maybe I didn't turn it off all the way. You know, it's different plumbing. Maybe like there's still pressure in the line and like <laughs> sure. whatever. It's so, old. So I turn that off. I like crank it down nice and tight, and then like I go lay back down, and I'm laying there, and. Then I hear water running again. I'm like, the shower. And I stand up. But this time it wasn't the shower. It was the sink. And this now the sink was on. And I was like, what the heck <laughs> is going on? And so I shut the sink off. And then by that time, I was so tired, I passed out. So if anything else happened, I don't know. But, um, yeah. How could you like, even sleep after both of those things happened? And then what happened to you in the engine room? I was tired. I guess. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. I would never have been able to sleep after that. It was super fun, though. That's incredible. It was probably one of the most fun trips, and I was by myself, which was crazy. I just had so much fun. Yeah, it's just like one of those things you experience. It's just cool. That is really cool. So at the risk of not being able to sleep tonight, I understand that you do have one more interesting ghost hunting experience. Well, one more for this episode, we'll say. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, there are more yeah of course good grief okay lay it on all right so rancho los amigos hospital have you heard of this i've only heard bits and pieces from some mutual friends describing an absolutely unsettling evening so i went ghost hunting in rancho los amigos it's a hospital in downey california we snuck in of course of course so this is closed. It is a closed hospital. There is a couple wings. There's a psychiatric ward. And there is a area that used to be, it was a quarantine when there was a large smallpox outbreak. And so if you had smallpox, you were sent to that hospital mm-hmm. and basically quarantined in this area, um, probably never to be seen again. Uh, so were you just sent there to die? Yeah, a lot of people with smallpox, they were either had major physical injuries, and in which case, like, they couldn't walk anymore or things like that, and they were basically just handed over to the psychiatric ward because families didn't want to deal with it back then. So they just committed them? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Um, That happened a lot with polio, too, Mm -hmm. back in the day. Like, you know, if, if you were considered a burden on the family... You know, it was hard enough to survive back in the day, let alone having kids with physical and mental health needs that you can't or don't know how to take care of or you don't even know what it is Mm -hmm. because back then we didn't have medicine like we do now. So, yeah, they just signed them over to a hospital or a home for people like that. So was Rancho Los Amigos one of those hospitals that was just a catch-all for if you don't know how to deal with it, give them to us and we'll take care of them until they die? Originally, yeah. So there was, there's, like I said, there's like an older part, which is definitely the creepier, scarier part. And then they added on to it later on when it switched to being more of a 
traditional hospital like we know now, which I think happened in maybe like the 50s and 60s. What was the time frame for the original wings? The original wings were probably turn of the century, early 1900s. Okay. And then they actually rebuilt the entire hospital across the street. And that was in, I want to say the 80s. So they shut down Rancho Los Amigos Hospital completely mm-hmm. when the new hospital opened up across the street, which had more facilities, more updated. And the hospital still sits there. That's happened a couple of times in L.A. County where there's been a really old, really big, popular hospital that they ended up rebuilding. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess for whatever reason, they decided the infrastructure wasn't good enough. It's easier to start from scratch than just to try to remodel it. Yeah, just for efficiency or layout or whatever the reason. Um, But, yeah, this place is very creepy. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say I don't suggest people sneak into here because... It is a gang area. It's not the best area. It's downy. Um, from what we know, a lot of drug deals go on there. There's a lot of other things that mm-hmm. go on there that you may not want to stumble across, we'll say, if you happen to stumble across that sort of thing. Sure. Um, but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, myself and uh, I think like three other people. Okay. You have to be, we had to be sneaky about it because we knew we were sneaking in there. So we actually had a fifth person that didn't want to go ghost hunting, but was willing enough to drop us off about two blocks away and then be on standby via cell phone so that as before we left the building, we'd call them and they could get, you know, back two blocks away and had ready for to receive us so we could leave quickly if needed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, in case we're getting chased by gang members or something. Who knows? So you're more concerned about the living than the dead with that? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Uh, we didn't see anybody uh, when was, we were there. Was there security or anything like that? Uh, well, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry. We were, we snuck in through a side door. I guess some of the doors are unlocked and we just opened the door and went in. There's, wow. Yeah, it wasn't locked up. Um, whether it's still that way, I have no idea. Uh, but we ended up first in the newer part of the building, which was interesting. It was just like a lot of therapeutic stuff. There was like an empty therapy pool, which was kind of creepy. Uh, the other weird thing is, is like the entire hospital was like they just stood up one day and walked across the street and started working in the new hospital. Everything was just there. Like the people just disappeared. So you could open up the filing cabinets and there was still medical records. You could look at medical records from like going back, you know, as far back as the hospital was open. Why didn't they take the records uh, into the new facility? I have no idea. Um, so then we moved into, from there, we were just kind of wandering around, seeing what was around. But it definitely gets creepier when you get into the older part of the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went into the psych ward first, and they had these crazy, like, um, crazy. Crazy. <laughs> uh, they had these, like, rooms where they would uh, interview the patients, right? Um, but it was like a small, it was like the size of a phone booth. And the patient could be in there. And there was actually spots for them to be chained to... There's like a small like desk in front of where the chair would be. And then there was just a mirror. 
and there were spots where they could be chained to the wall, basically. And then if you go around the other side, it's another small room, about the same size, I guess, where the doctor could sit. But it's a two-way mirror, so you could see into the other room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's how they interviewed the patients. I don't know. It was it was really weird, but there was like a kind of like a bank of those. Oh Jesus! Uh, so I'm not really sure. Maybe it was for visiting, like you know, you want to visit your your relative, and maybe that's how they is like jail kind of. It was kind of the idea of like when you see like jail in movies and you visit somebody, you have like the glass partition, and then yeah. they're like behind it. It was kind of that same felt like that same scenario so who who was the one that wasn't able to see into the other side was it the patient or the visitor or they like the whoever else I, I it's hard to tell because maybe depending on the lighting it wasn't mirrored yeah but because it was pitch black in there and there's no lights on and we had lights maybe it just appeared to be a mirror mm-hmm. um and maybe normally you could see through both sides but um just the way like when we saw it it felt like if you were on the the side that didn't have straps which i assume would be the doctor's side you could see into the other room mm-hmm. but when you went into the, the the room with the straps you couldn't it just appeared to be a mirror okay um which would be really weird like if you already had mental health issues and then you just heard voices coming <laughs> from a glass mirror and you're talking to yourself in a yeah. mirror like that's already weird so yeah it doesn't make sense to me that seems to be fading the fire yeah that's kind of weird uh and then we went into what i probably was kind of like the smallpox quarantine area which was the worst area like it had a very heavy heavy feeling to it Mm -hmm. and in that room we found more filing cabinets with these little cards so they were like uh about maybe like eight by eleven card Mm -hmm. and they were all uh death records and so you could flip through them and you'd see like so-and-so, like, age 12, died on this date, or was admitted this date, died on this date. Oh, God. And then, like, kind of, like, a little caption of how they died. Mm-hmm. And that's all they were, and it was just, like, a bank of them. Oh, my God. Why hasn't anybody taken those things out? I don't know. But it's definitely creepy to sit there in the pitch black and, like, read those in a flashlight. And with like, children. Yeah, with children. Um, and then another area... That was super creepy, and we actually saw something, was uh, we went out into this, like, courtyard area. So off of the little smallpox quarantine area, there was, like, a kind of like an outdoor courtyard. And we were all kind of just, like, walking through the courtyard. And we, at least I saw, I think someone else saw it, too. There was, like, a shadow that went across one of the roofs. So it'd be, it was just, like, a shadow person, but he just, like, walked, just kind of darted from from one end of the roof to the other and disappeared and you know it's i don't know who would be on the roof um (laughs) in the middle of the night in downey (laughs) on a hospital uh so that was really weird no they didn't say anything you just saw him move from one side to the other and just kind of like disappear over the roof line and that was it wow um and then that's pretty much when we decided to leave now this is where it gets interesting we didn't know that we were actually spotted going into the building. By who? By a police officer. Okay. Um, who decided kindly, I guess, to wait around and for us to come out. <laughs> okay. So you got caught. Yeah. Okay. We, we got caught. We were like on our way out. We were like, that was awesome. We had so much fun. We we're walking. You can see the, the sidewalk 
to where we need to walk back to the McDonald's parking lot where we're going to meet our friend to pick us up. Mm-hmm. We get about 10 steps from the sidewalk and he hears, woo, and the oh. little lights go off. And, uh, and he, he totally got us. And he was like, yeah, I saw you guys go in there. And he's like, there's no way in fuck I'd go in there. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's no way I would go in that building. It's creepy. Um, so he's like, I just waited for you to come out. And he's like, and we already had pre-planned excuses in case something like this happened. So we had like all these ideas like, oh, we could say this or we could say this and blah, 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 blah. And luckily I had a video camera. So I was videotaping the whole thing. And our friend Steve had this gigantic flashlight, like huge flashlight. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and so the cop gets out and he walks towards us. And we're all ready with our excuse plan. We had our story straight. Everybody knew what they were supposed to say. And he, he walks up and he's like, he's like, don't say anything. You guys are student filmmakers and you're here just doing a student film. I know, but. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> but this is a really bad part of town. A lot of bad things happen around here. He's like, I'm going to let you go. But just don't ever come back. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so was that anything related to the story that you had ready? That was exactly the story we had no ready. No way, really? <laughs> yes. So I can only think that, you know, several people have broken in, into that area and used that same excuse. Oh my god. But to be fair, there is, uh, what is it, USC, one of the places that has a film school is not too far away mm-hmm. and if you're gonna do an indie horror movie you gotta do it there. what better place to do it than there so i can assume that probably some of those were legit and they actually did sneak in there to make a movie uh-huh. um but i'm sure some were just stupid kids ghost hunting like we were and uh <laughs> got caught and had a poor excuse on why we were there that's amazing well that's actually a really good excuse to be there you know if you're you don't know. You know you're trespassing, but you're not causing any harm. You're not stealing anything off the property. Yeah. You're not there to do any damage. You just want to do your thing and go. You know, I mean, there are. that's one of the more humble reasons to go into some place like that. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, it would be a good reason. Yeah, I guess so. But did you guys look like you could possibly be students? I mean, you uh, probably could have. I probably thing. did. One of the Our other friend guys. Kenny probably yeah. did. And then uh, Steve, well, maybe he was the professor. Who knows? Yeah. He wasn't that old. <laughs> he wasn't that old. And there was Not another. That professors are old. There was another guy with us that was probably in his twenties too. So there was three of us that were pretty young. And who knows? Steve could have been the actor. That's true. Yeah. And he looked young enough. He could have been. Yeah. Who knows? That's, That's a lot pretty. Of fun. Yeah, it was pretty funny though. Didn't you? I think you showed me footage from that. Uh, yeah, there is footage somewhere hidden on one of my hard drives. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was so jarring and scary for me. I mean, I'm such a, I'm so susceptible to that kind of stuff where I don't believe it happens to me. Like, I don't feel like I'm lucky enough to actually witness anything, but I will definitely succumb to the fear of watching it happen to somebody else Yeah. or the story of it happening to somebody else. You know, I'll soak that in, but I don't think I've never, like we were trying to, to come up with something earlier and like, well, you need to tell something that happened to you. I'm like, I can't remember I mean, there's probably something that's happened to me, 
but I'm really good at repressing memories. <laughs> I've had a lot of practice. So I don't, I couldn't come up with anything yeah. that actually, where I could say like, that was a thing that I saw that I can, that I can't say I fabricated myself. You know, like when we went to, um, Owl Canyon. Yeah. I would love to say that I saw figures running across the canyon because I think I did see figures running across the canyon, but I know what your eyes do, what your rods and cones do in dark light. Mm -hmm. And I know that it can look like light and dark chunks as you move your eyes across something. So I know that there's something that because your brain really wants to make sense of something that it sees, like if you really want to see a face because it's something that's familiar, you really want to see something that's shaped like a body because it's familiar. Mm -hmm. So I know that the things that I saw weren't ghosts. They weren't spirits coming to say hi, you know, but I would love to have something like that happen to where I don't have that feeling of that was just my brain doing what brains do mm-hmm. so that you don't go crazy in the world around you and turning it into something that's relatable. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, I had no stories that I could, that I could bring up. I mean, I'm sure something's happened, but I just can't. I need to get you ghost hunting. I'd love to go ghost hunting. I want something to happen. We're going to go ghost hunting. Because I am such a heavy skeptic, but I love the fact that it could be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I'm like the skeptic that wants to be proven wrong. Yeah. I really want something cool like that to happen because I want so badly to believe that there is some sort of existence past our own. Yeah. Even though experience-based, I got nothing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Maybe someday. Future episodes. We can talk about... Knott's Berry Farm. Awesome. Talk about Ghost at Disneyland. Oh, yes. We Gosh, that's going to have about, to be its own episode. Uh, what else have I done? We can talk about Owl Canyon and that whole experience of our ghost hunting adventure in up near Barstow. That was a really beautiful night. Oh, and then uh, the Newland House. We can talk about an interesting, strange experience that happened there when we were actually designing the haunt. And, oh, yeah. And doing a promotional photo shoot, so... Oh yeah, that was when I brought we brought Xander. Yeah, and even he, saw, you know, was like, "Uh, we need to go." <laughs> he just like instantly was like, "Yeah, it's, yeah." So leave now. <laughs> we got more fun stories like that to come, but unfortunately, I think we are out of time for this episode. I think that we've we definitely have yep. a good time. That was so, a lot of fun. So now I'm not going to sleep tonight because of your Queen Mary and. And oh, Rancho Los Amigos stories. So awesome. Thank you very much. No problem. But that was that was fun. I think the Yeti thing was cool. Again, that's another one of those things where I want... I'm a skeptic, but I want so badly to, for it to be true. You just want to have one for a pet. Those things take up a lot of space, and they shed like crazy. I, <laughs> I can't keep up with that. <laughs> but I would love to know that they exist. Yeah. So it'd I mean, be pretty those, awesome. I'd love, I'd love for them to exist. It'd be neat if that sort of stuff was proven to be real, because it's just... One of those weird, magical things that's like, oh, wow, that's cool. Anyway, that was fun. That was fun. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. The fun ghost stories. And uh, until next time, we'll see you in the fog. See ya. Thank you for downloading this episode of Tales from the Fog. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook at Tales from the Fog, on Instagram at Casey Nyhart, and be sure to rate and like us on iTunes. It really does help other people find our podcast. Thank you again and have a very happy holiday.